Earlier this year, at the end of January, Simon Stevens, who's head of the NHS in England, launched a For a Greener NHS. By doing this, he's acknowledged that the climate emergency is a health emergency and that our health system is part of the problem, contributing up to 5% of all carbon emissions in the UK. Joining me in the studio to to talk about what that means and uh, to discuss a little bit more about what the NHS is actually doing, uh, I'm joined by two people, Izzy and Sandy. Izzy, could I ask you to introduce yourself? I'm Dr Isabel Braithwaite. Uh, I'm a public health registrar, currently working um, across UCL and uh, a team within Public Health England that deals with extreme weather events. Um, And I'm also involved in the NHS Net Zero panel. And um, sort of outside of work, I'm involved in a group that's called Health Declares Climate and Ecological Emergency. It's a bit of a mouthful, but (laughs) we are a group of, um, you know, very passionate health professionals who are working to try and um, encourage health organisations across the UK to declare climate and ecological emergency and take action. So Sandy, can I get you to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello, my name is um, Dr Sandy Robertson. I'm an emergency medicine ST5 trainee in North East London. I also work in the Royal College of Emergency Medicine's Environmental Specialist Interest Group and I'm on the executive committee of the UK Health Alliance on Climate Change. Great. So yes, going back to this idea of a climate emergency, so as a, a health organisation declaring a health emergency, what does that actually mean? You know, what does it mean for the for the institution to do that? So what we're asking them to do alongside kind of publicly declaring that, which is clearly a, a statement that they are taking this seriously, they're concerned about the risks it poses to health and, and they see it as a real threat, Um the things that we're asking them to do alongside that are to set up um, a steering group, an environmental action steering group that's across their organisation. Um, so it's not just managers, it has, you know, clinicians, potentially patients um, to actually drive forward progress on sustainability issues and act as a kind of forum for people to come and see what's happening, share ideas, share learning um, and motivate one another. Um, We're asking them to divest from fossil fuels and you know once they've kind of done those three things then we have some thoughts about ways in which they can actually scale up their efforts to to reduce impact um, and and benefit patients sort of beyond that but those are the the kind of three key asks um, at the beginning from from health declares hmm. what does the health emergency actually mean for the nhs as a as a system for me i think what it means is that we know from the science of climate change and what that means for population health that there are a whole lot of determinants of health things that kind of influence health upstream that are at risk and already being affected but also at risk of being affected in really, really significant ways as we go into the future and we see higher levels of warming, we see more heat waves, we see more flooding, and we see you know things like the spread of infectious diseases, impacts on crop um, production, potentially contributing to food price rises that will affect some of the most vulnerable people here as well as in the rest of the world. So I think we're talking about a kind of whole complex um, web of challenges and and drivers that will affect health in the UK and affect the NHS um, as a result of that in a lot of different ways, but ways that 
potentially put lots of different parts of that system under quite a lot of additional stress um, and which we really need to be preparing for because although it might actually be you know more accurate to talk about it as a whole series of health emergencies because you know each episode of flooding it's a health emergency we know that it has really serious mental health impacts in addition to the people that get injured or potentially killed um, and the same with heat waves and we're going to see more and more of those so you know, I think I think really it's it's a health emergency because it's lots of health emergencies that are all connected. I suppose that's a good way of looking at it. That sort of interconnectedness of it is just an umbrella for for a lot of things that the NHS is doing already, but uh, taking a step back and 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 really thinking about what's exacerbating some of those things. Yeah, I think I think it feeds it feeds into the system and and to the NHS kind of right across the board really, and and widens health inequalities um, and puts pressure on systems that are already struggling. Mm. Now that's a sort of public mm. health answer to that. And Sandy, you're uh, you work in um, A and E, so what does this actually mean for you on the on the front line? You know, we know a lot about um, things like respiratory disease mm. and, and things, but to, what else is going on? I think it's a good connection <clears throat> talking about a struggling system because we know in the UK the urgent and emergency care system has been struggling um, and it has for some time. We've had some of the longest waits that we've ever seen um, building year on year and I think that the climate crisis part of that is that the as as he said all of those health health problems are going to be impacting on us as emergency physicians there will be some in in, intangible ways and i think when you talk to people about heat waves and the problems that they cause it's a difficult thing to imagine in your head and the thing that kind of is easiest to see for me is is as he said respiratory illness we've had some research recently um, at King's College showing the increasing number of uh, out-of-hospital cardiac arrests on bad air pollution days. So hundreds more um, are caused when you've got really bad air pollution and you've got an increased risk of um, being admitted to hospital if you're a child and you have a bad asthma attack. And I think that is a very tangible thing that we can see in our practice. And um, it's something that we, we can kind of highlight and work on and um, try and be advocates for change in that sort of thing and kind of really focusing on that. So Izzy, at the beginning you mentioned um, that you are part of this NHS Zero, uh, trying to get kind of carbon neutral. Um, what does that actually mean in the context of the NHS? Because, you know, obviously we're going to have to produce some carbon to, to, to run such an enormous system. So, so what does... What's the, the goal of that? So I think, um, you know, it's, it's potentially quite a big, it's a big challenge um, for us to, to kind of grapple with, but it is one that we really do need to grapple with. We know that the UK government has committed the UK as a whole to get to net zero carbon. So our carbon emissions being balanced off by um, effectively kind of offsetting or things that draw down carbon by 2050. Um, there are questions about whether that's actually quick enough. Um, and at the same time, you know, there are kind of quite a lot of sort of factors that make achieving rapid change quite challenging. But Everyone who's trying to make change in the NHS. Uh, yeah, and I think, I think the NHS is kind of a really good example of, of the kind of ways in which some, you know, with the best 
kind of will in the world, you, you run up against things. So you really need to think through how do you bring people with you in that process? And um, what does it mean for education and training? Um, what can we actually prevent so that the NHS doesn't need to deal with it in the first place? And I think that links really well to that point about air pollution, mm. because we know the NHS is actually a big contributor to air pollution itself. So if it can be moving to more sustainable and less polluting models of transport, then it's helping to contribute less to some of those respiratory problems that then are not coming through the A&E or the GP door and needing asthma inhalers, which we know are generally highly polluting. And then for the things that you know we can't prevent, we can think of slightly different ways of doing things um, that are more efficient and better for patients in terms of them having to travel less. You know, maybe we can be doing more things via Skype. Um, maybe we can be shifting some um, treatment options to less polluting ones that do the same thing. So I think asthma inhalers are a really good example there. And how's that actually practically working because uh you know is there someone sort of central in nhs england somewhere trying to have an overview of this or is that about encouraging lots of different things to go on you know what's what's practically happening so i mean th- there is so there's the sustainable development unit that's been working on this and trying to actually quantify some of this for quite a long period of time and the other thing i think that's important is that you've got that kind of more top-down approach and at a trust level, trusts are required to produce sustainable development and management plans, um, which sort of detail how they're going to reduce their environmental impacts. But, you know, I think the kind of bottom-up element of it is really key. And there are organisations like the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare that do some brilliant work on that front across sustainable specialties programmes and kind of sharing of knowledge. And, you know, the work that Sandy's doing in emergency medicine is a brilliant example of that. And we should probably go to Sandy to talk about that now. Yeah, um, it's, I think, Izzy kind of picked up on something there that there is a huge groundswell of clinicians now concerned about the climate and their impact of their practice and and their lives and and wanting to make a difference um kind of not just medical nursing allied health professionals um the the thing that i keep saying is that plastic waste is a huge thing that gets people interested um and it gets people really irate and they want to make a difference Mm. and looking at kind of all the disposable stuff we have to use is definitely something that people want to do Um, and that's a big thing i think needs to be tackled um, we have to be careful that any of the kind of changes in our practice that we do are kind of evidence-based and aren't a, a detriment to kind of our patients. And I think we need to work on getting a little bit more research into kind of what, what changes we can do. But practically on the shop floor, there's so many things that you you might think that your hospital is doing or you might think has already been done, but you need to go out there and make sure it has because not every hospital recycles Um uh, the simple things like are your lights LED uh, is your screen on too bright does it turn off automatically or are the lights on in your office all of these small things which put together over the NHS could make a big difference and don't have an immediate impact on um, patient care so there are changes that you can make now um, at the College of Emergency Medicine we've divested from fossil fuels which I think is a really important thing to do um, because it shows that the use of fossil fuels is just kind of anathema to um, everything that we purport to do as, as doctors, as healthcare workers. Why, why are we kind of supporting this industry which is causing so much harm? There are so many benefits that you can have from kind of removing the fossil fuels. 
um, why don't we kind of go down that path and look at it in a positive way and hopefully try and get society in general to change. The NHS is 5% and we need to make those changes to get to carbon neutral by 2050, but we also need society to change. And I think we can play a big role in that, um, advocating for change, advocating for um, active transport um, and getting that health message out there and and showing that there's benefits to all these changes as well. And I suppose that's the key bit. I mean, you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier plastics, and I suppose when someone changes their behaviour in the NHS to reduce the amount of plastic, that's Mm -hmm. a really tangible thing that's happening, whereas some of the other things when it comes to kind of energy use or whatever seem quite intangible yeah um and it also reminds me a little bit of you know maybe when the the quality improvement movement sort of started there was a lot of enthusiasm but people were kind of like i'm not sure where i should best put my mm. energy really to to do this so so kind of the reason we got you into mm. this is um that there is this for a greener nhs call um so what is that and, uh, you know, what are you actually looking for there? So it's part of a broader programme of work, um, which is around engaging people in the challenges of um, reducing the environmental impact of the NHS. And um, there's an advisory panel that the evidence from this call um, for evidence will feed into, um, which is basically trying to help inform uh, a decision around when the NHS aims to get to net zero carbon by um, and and what that might actually involve, what that might look like. So the call for evidence is um, open to anyone. It's actually a lot shorter to fill out than you might think. The questions are kind of maximum 500 words, but it is quite quick. Um, and there are you can submit different types of evidence. So it could be some research, it could be a case study, could just be an idea, or it could be something kind of an other type um, <laughs> option. So it can actually be quite a wide range of different things. And the point is that it should be something that helps inform um, and perhaps kind of shape or guide the thinking around how the NHS as a whole, this really large, complex system, can actually get to a position where it's no longer contributing to climate change um, really as, as soon as possible. So um, anything that, that can help towards that and how is that evidence then being those submissions being sort of synthesized and and turned into a plan what's happening to them afterwards so with the support of the secretariat who are part of the sustainable development unit and nhs ei um the submissions will be synthesized and um shared with with panel members um and kind of key findings from them pulled out and potentially you know some some case studies and things from that explored a bit further um, and included in in the final report. So you're calling for, you know, examples here. Have you got one, Sandy, that you're going to... uh, Yeah, so um, I'm working on the College of Emergency Medicine submission. We've got a few things going on. Um, We're going to try and create a framework for all emergency departments um, to kind of sign up to, which will list different ways that you can make these changes both kind of clinically and non-clinically. Um, we've called it the Green ED, which is not very um, kind of imaginative, but it says it does what it says on the tin. Um, and it's actually based on work that's been done in a, a lab-based system, the LEAF project, and it's been shown to work there. And so we're hoping to get um, 
kind of use it as a way to guide emergency departments of what to look at precisely like you said highlighting the simple things that you can do to change and then updating that over time as we research and get more evidence for things we'll be looking at reducing the use of entinox or nitrous oxide because mm. that's a huge greenhouse gas in itself and looking at alternatives for that and the evidence base behind it and looking at um, using the Centre for Sustainable Health's quality, sustainable quality improvement um, framework as well for all the quality improvement work that we do. Um, as we speak, um, every emergency medicine trainee who wants to become a consultant has to do a quality improvement project. And we at the college, we're going to be running a pilot for the people who are doing it in the next few months, including myself, to have a sustainable metric as part of it. Um, all the projects have to be patient facing and improve patient care, but we've just got to go ahead from the college to let us have an, add in another metric, which um, we can see how that works. So hopefully it'll have a whole host of emergency physicians who are sustainably minded in the future. Mm. So if you've been inspired to enter what you're doing um, into the submission, I'll put the links in the podcast text. The deadline is the 22nd of March, so you've still got a little time to do it. That's it for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week with more talk evidence. Until then, I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.